Oh, by the way, um, please let me know if there are connection problems. Yeah, will do. So yesterday's episode was really long. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you haven't gotten through it, maybe you're like, oh, I'll just start this one. Um, this one is all about the news, the previews for the fights on this upcoming week. The other episode was all a recap of the Wilder Fury pay-per-view and everything you might want to listen to about that pay-per-view that's there tom is back tom you ordered the fight live on showtime pay-per-view oh yes <laughs> sorry i didn't uh, yes we had talked beforehand i didn't know you were presenting this a question how, uh, yeah i, how was I it? bought did, it did, did you enjoy it. yourself on saturday night Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this really had a big fight feel, felt like an important fight. I mean, this is a fight which felt really significant in boxing history. I know that's, like, overblown, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the recap episode with Fred, by the way. Anyone out here who hasn't listened to that, definitely listen to it. Uh, We always hope to get Fred on for more episodes. He can be a little elusive, though. He can be. Um you know, we could spend another two hours talking about Wilder Fury because that fight was literally like deserving of that kind of attention. But there's other things to talk to. There's some big things happening in the world of boxing specifically. Now, I, I want to say that if you're in the Discord, if you're in the Patrons channel specifically, um, you probably knew this already. But I, I started telling people, hey, something's happening with Golovkin. Because at the fight on Saturday, uh, I'm, I was located pretty close to where the ring walks are, are happening. And once my videos upload, I will upload some videos of like the actual ring walks uh, and right up close and personal. And when Golovkin was leaving the building, he was leaving with Jermel Charlo. And I, and I looked at that and I'm like, hmm, Golovkin's like walking out with the crowd of PBC fighters. Jermel Charlo was walking out at that same time. Errol Spence was also walking out at that same time. They were all in the same group walking out. And I thought to myself, hmm, probably nothing, right? Golovkin's here supporting his stablemate, Joe Joyce. Possibly that's why he's here. Abel Sanchez promoting. Golovkin lives in LA. It all makes sense. Then we get the news from Mike Coppinger. Uh, if you haven't seen the tweet, I'll actually just read it out. Mike Coppinger said, sources... Gennady Golovkin met with Al Heyman at Wilder Fury about joining PBC roster. Golovkin, a network free agent. Meeting went well. Heyman confident he can lure the former middleweight champion over to fight on Fox slash Showtime. Days in slash ESPN still aggressively pursuing Golovkin Loeffler. Um, There was another one. This would obviously be a major play from PBC to bring over one of the biggest stars in the sport. Lots of big fights for uh, Golovkin over there if he gets this done. And the first question I have is, let's look at it from quote-unquote big fights. Who has, and we're going to break down, what each side has to offer. Showtime and Fox, the PBC offer. Then what does ESPN have to offer? And then what does Dazen have to offer? So specifically with big fights, what do you think that each player can offer Gennady Golovkin? Well, it's an interesting question because, I mean, one one thing hanging over this, a few weeks ago it was reported, and it's always hard to say who the source is for this stuff, that uh, Loeffler was pursuing 
ESPN and DAZN, but not PBC. Correct. Uh, which is strange because usually you don't cut off your options when you're in the middle of a negotiation. I mean, you, you know, okay. Negotiation. Yeah, exactly. You want to see what their offer is and, you know, use that as leverage against other people. The reason why that stood out was there's a clear reason, you know, one of these things is not like the other. ESPN Plus, this is the thing we've talked about a bunch, ESPN Plus gave a deal to Frank Warren to show all of his cards on ESPN Plus. Um, DAZN gave deals for Golden Boy and Matchroom to show all of their cards on their network. So Loeffler was saying very vocally that he wants to get one of those overall deals. And, you know, that's not something that the PBC would necessarily do. They don't benefit from showing Superfly 4. They don't benefit from showing, you know, fights headlined by Cecilia Brykus, like the HBO card this weekend that we'll talk about later. So that would make more sense to Tom Loeffler. As far as the Triple G side, Triple G is, you know, he's a guy who's sort of bigger than premium cable, um, bigger than sort of basic streaming stuff, and a guy who's sort of on the lower end of the pay-per-view spectrum. So for him, if you look at ESPN Plus, now to, to address your question directly, um, very quickly, it's like ESPN Plus, you'd think if by, you know, indication of what they're doing with Crawford, uh, could pay maybe three to four million per fight with the goal of eventually getting Golovkin on pay-per-view, which is essentially what they're doing with Crawford. They're sort of losing money on Crawford currently with a high guarantee with the expectation they can get him onto pay-per-view. Um, so on ESPN, you've got Rob Brandt, Murata possibly. Neither of those is really an exciting pay-per-view. And that's the thing. Once you're on pay-per-view, the event has to actually sell because your pay is going to be largely dictated by how the pay-per-view actually performs. Um, but again, you could possibly get um, this overall deal for Loeffler to show his fights on ESPN+. DAZN, you have Canelo. That's the big thing. And you have this myth that DAZN has an unlimited amount of money. But that has really yet to be tested. You know, Hearn is overpaying fighters on his matchroom usa cards but he's overpaying level fighters you know jesse vargas is making more than he would make on showtime to fight bad fighters but that's still not overall a huge amount of money you know big baby is making more than he would make to fight on an undercard somewhere but that's still not a huge amount of money meanwhile canelo got a dump truck full of money pulled up to his house but that's a signing which could bring you know very serious subscriber numbers potentially you know that's it's hard to say what that means you know is it 10,000 subscribers 50,000 subscribers whatever it is you know some large amount of subscribers um Glovekin they might view as not necessary at this point you know uh they already have Canelo Canelo might not want to fight him you know Canelo's money is already guaranteed it's again it's it's not the pay-per-view model Canelo has no incentive as far as we know to fight tougher fights so you know whenever these deals have happened in the past usually fighters will just take the worst fights in order to get guaranteed money so meanwhile where does the PBC come in I don't think it's a coincidence that he was at this pay-per-view this weekend you know Golovkin is towards the end of his career a lot of people thought it might make sense to get guaranteed streaming service money but if that money isn't there, if Top Rank isn't willing to lose money on him, if their options to put him on ESPN pay-per-view are not scintillating, you know, meanwhile, you have the, the Wilder Fury pay-per-view. Everyone seems to have been impressed by how this event went off. Um, you know, we've yet to have the pay-per-view numbers, but the gate was great. It was a star-studded event. Um, you know, it starts to become more interesting to see, you know, where could Golovkin end up? 
Uh, Mike Coppinger also, or well, I'll get to that in a minute, but you know, immediately you see you have Golovkin versus Jamal Charlo. You know, that's a pay-per-view fight. Um, you could definitely see the PBC universe come up with a reasonable guarantee, and Golovkin could earn you know high eight figures for that fight. I think that's pretty easy to see. As far as potential other fights, you have Sergey Derevyanchenko. Cer- certainly not a super high-level fight, but it's definitely a fight which could be like a Showtime fight. Um, or, you know, again, a lower level pay-per-view if, you if Golovkin is on Fox. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can do something with that. Also something Mike Coppinger report was that, um, you know, it had been widely reported, uh, for a long time that Jacob's deal with HBO ran out with the, Darabian uh, fight. fight, um, with HBO. But what he reported today was that his matchroom deal expired at the same time. Jacobs is also, you know, has been advised by Al Heyman this whole time. If Jacobs was offered a Golovkin pay-per-view, you know, he re-signs with the PBC Universe again, still advised by Al Heyman, but not part of their TV broadcasts, you could very much see a Golovkin-Jacobs pay-per-view. Again, another fight which could earn him high eight figures. So um, I definitely see the possibility there. You know, it, it really depends. I think those fights are risky, but... And in the same way the Pacquiao deal came out, I mean, where did that come from? You know, Pacquiao earned, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. That's literally the amount of money that he got for his um, fight with Matisse being on uh, ESPN Plus. That's true. Look for it. You know, meanwhile, he'll earn probably around 10 million for the Broner fight. Um, You know, pay-per-view generates money. That's why pay-per-view exists. If the matchups dictate it. And, you know, uh, PBC can deliver a few pay-per-view opponents. That suddenly looks like the most money that he could get unless, you know, and this is the big unless, um, the zone is just driving the Canelo, you know, loss leader money if they're willing to lose money on him because they think it will drive subscriptions. Uh, anyway, that was an extended answer. Where, where do you view each of those options? I, I think, look, one of the things that was first reported when Showtime made their deal with PBC was a commitment to boxing that wasn't just for championship level fights, which they've delivered over the past 12 months, but it was supplemental programming that included lower tier fights. So what if, let's just, like a theory, I guess. What if Heyman says, okay, K2, like I'll take care of you guys with Showtime's additional programming slots that we are not going to use. Or we are going to use you. You have your stable, but it's not as big as ours. Well, what if we just use you as one of our promoters? Now you have a piece of the pie when it comes to, say, Robert Easter Jr.'s next fight. And that is a a much bigger fight that K2 could have their hand in, or 360 Promotions now would have their hand in, than, say, a a Brian Sabalos headline card. What does that do? The Hollywood Fight Night hasn't been terribly successful in terms of generating interest amongst the, the, the boxing public at large. I don't see anybody talking about that. I haven't seen one single post about somebody saying, hey, when's the next Hollywood Fight Night? It's not happening. So there's a platform that Loeffler is looking for. And and look, let's be real here. When it comes to 360 promotions, who can provide him the best platform? I don't think it's Showtime. And I don't think that it's Dazen either. Because you have to... I, I actually read an article last night, and it was about other sports. You know, um, BR Live and, and NBC Sports Network Gold, or whatever they call it. 
how they have certain tiers of soccer in America and the problem that they're facing, um, if you're like other soccer leagues that could get in is like, are you choosing the money or are you choosing the, the, the reach, I guess you could say, because signing a deal with Turner Broadcasting to air your stuff on TBS, for an example, while that may not generate the most money, you have a bigger reach to grow your brand because you're reaching more people. I mean, TBS is in millions and millions and millions of homes, but BR Live, which is Turner's streaming service, which they're trying to get into the game, what is the, the, the reach of that? It's not much, and you have to trade it off because a bigger reach means bigger revenue in, much more, in, in a bunch of other places. You know, you gamble on yourself when you have that kind of reach. And so with days in, they don't have that. There's no reach there. Showtime has a smaller reach by nature of them having fewer subscribers because they're a premium cable network. So that leaves ESPN. But I don't see ESPN. um, I'm not sure that they have. it, It just doesn't seem right because what ESPN has been targeting is title fights because ESPN themselves will value in terms monetarily, they will value those title fights much more than they do just a regular club show. And essentially, that's what Loeffler's putting on with these 360 cards is their club shows. What we're seeing on on this Saturday that we'll talk about in a bit, it may have two brilliant women fighters, okay? Female fighters who are world champions, unified uh, their titles, their divisions, right? But... That's a club fight because that doesn't generate the kind of interest that it should. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it. that's just the reality of this, okay? And we've talked about Clarissa Shields doing numbers in the past, etc., etc. But they're not great numbers. They're good, but not great. And so I think ESPN has the most to offer them, but I don't necessarily see them being terribly interested in this because while it may give them an opponent for German on Cajas and Roman Gonzalez, um, and it may bring some more attention to Michaela Mayer, who is one of uh, their female uh, star. Um, what does it really provide for them? It gives. It doesn't. It's not going to bring world championship level fights, and that's where I think ESPN might draw the line. And that's why we come back to PBC. And what we've seen is like you could build a promotion off of one fighter. You really could. We saw that because Golden Boy was under. They were underwater with Canelo. And only Canelo. Thank you to Gene Dietz for your um, brilliant report that got released. But Canelo made all the money for Golden Boy. Well, Golovkin is in that position as well. But here's the thing, and and I'll ask you this question. Um, With Dazen, there's a limit on what could be made. Like the percentage, that, like the possibility of extra money being generated is no longer there because there's no pay-per-view. There's right, only right. subscriptions, and we don't know how they, the, the distribution of subscriptions works. How do you know that a fighter, uh, someone signed up to watch the Canelo fight when it could be that they signed up to watch Chilean MMA? Okay? <laughs> now, obviously, we, we laugh because we, we think that it's obvious, but I don't think that the, the, the people who run the Chilean Combat America, whatever, are laughing right now at that. So the question is, is it better to go for what could be in terms of pay-per-view buys that Golovkin could generate against a Jamal Charlo or whoever versus you get the flat fee of fighting Canelo? And maybe you get a percentage of the live gate, but what we've seen is the live gate will top out. will top out at maybe 15 to $18 million. 
I, I don't. I, maybe they cracked in the low twenties. I, I, I'm not too sure that the trilogy, the third fight, will be as hot as the first two. Go on. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, you asked. I mean, it's a good way to frame it. And uh, this is, you know, uh, you touched on two topics which I had wanted to respond to from what you were saying. So, um, in order to to answer that, so you you mentioned about the the reach topic, and I think that, again that is a really interesting question as it relates to these streaming services. And I think what you you've seen is there there are two ways that's played out. You've seen like ESPN, um, and also with what uh, Fox has done in terms of the PBC universe, where it looks like their long-term plan is to try to alternate, you know, big exposure um, platforms, meaning ESPN and Fox, in order to get exposure for their guys, build them up, and eventually try to pivot them back to pay-per-view. You know, Crawford, as we were saying, Top Rank's currently losing money on their uh, Crawford shows. They're not generating that much um, in, in order to justify what he's getting paid, but the goal is that he'll eventually become a pay-per-view fighter. And what we've seen on the PBC, uh, to I start with this on, yesterday too, which is exactly what you're saying. Right, right, right. So as that relates to, uh, triple G, he's probably, I mean, he's sufficiently old. He's probably not at a growth stage in his career. So I personally disagree with that. I don't think that he would really need, unless they give him guaranteed money, I don't think he would need to do low level, lower level fights on the big platform. You know, I think his popularity is already pretty baked in. He's at the end of his career. I think he's looking for guaranteed money for big fights. Personally, as far as Loeffler and his club shows, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, club shows are not going to generate a huge amount of interest. If you put them on Fox, it would just be a waste of that slot. You could put them on FS1 potentially, but they're really, you know, a level where. You know, club shows are really just a matter of, you know, building up fighters records, getting some amount of exposure for, for people that don't draw money. Um, they make they're, they're, they're well suited to streaming services. You know, the type of fights we're now seeing on free Facebook broadcasts on these to zone on these ESPN plus cards that really only the most hardcore of boxing fans care about. But, you know, what would have happened in the past is these fights would have happened. They would be dark shows. You know, they wouldn't be broadcast at all. So now they're getting some amount of coverage. So you do see kind of a split. I think for Golovkin, he's looking for the guaranteed money, which will either come from a pay-per-view uh, or, again, if DAZN is willing to lose money by giving him a lot of money to fight Canelo, you know, which raises the question, Canelo would have to decide to do that fight anyway. You'd think if that happens, Canelo would be in the driver's seat. And it just doesn't seem likely. You know, if Canelo wanted to do those types of matchups, he wouldn't have signed, uh, you know, $33 million guarantee. You know, if he were to fight Golovkin again, he would get more money than that. So why would he fight Canelo? Golovkin for a third time make less money than he did for two of the other fights. Uh, it, it just I don't see the the financials adding up. So you know again that's where Golovkin if he has a way to fight on pay per view it starts to make a lot of sense. And you know it, Al Heyman and Al Heyman advised fighters it might be his most attractive option. I mean, any version of a Canelo, third Canelo fight is going to make more money than anything else. There's no question. Yeah. But again, We're it's the problem that, of being but... on a streaming service because you cut out the pay-per-view revenue component. I, I just don't think the money's there. Right. I, I mean, unless you're Canelo, where the, the floor, the floor offer is just so good that you can't turn it down. And I think they, they, gave, they, could, they gave Canelo the Godfather offer you know, he could not refuse. None of, nobody apart from Floyd Mayweather could refuse that offer. 
Just nobody was going to do that. So I, I agree with you. Now, I personally, I want to make this clear because too often people think we're shills or something. I think, and I predicted, and I said Golovkin's best move for himself as well as 360 promotions is to go to ESPN, and I still feel that way. I think ESPN is is the best move for the, for the 360 stable and helping them grow and a partnership with Top Rank that will allow some sort of fighter exchange. I think that's the best route. Is it the most likely? Is it the one that's going to work? I don't I don't know, but I think for Golovkin. Being on ESPN is a smart move. They'll pay whatever amount of money. Golovkin gets to maybe convince someone to go over. But the reality is, here's the other question. We can frame it this way. What does an offer from Dazen to Golovkin look like? If Canelo's worth 365 over 11 fights, what's Golovkin worth? Again, we really don't know. I mean, their next highest paid fighter is Jesse Vargas. And he doesn't even have his next fight lined up, you know? Um, <laughs> it's just too early really to nail that down again. I, 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 anyway, I don't have more to say than what I said, which is like that fight won't get signed unless Canelo wants it to get signed and the money does not seem to be there to do that. So Golovkin got paid a, a, a downside minimum, or that's probably not the right way to say it, but his guaranteed purse for the Jacobs fight was two and a half million. Okay. Two and a half million. And um, Canelo's minimum purse earnings for uh, even the Golovkin fights weren't very high. They were like five and something million. Um, You can look that up while I'm talking, I guess, if you want, uh, just so we know what it is for sure. But it wasn't that high. So if we just multiply that by a percentage to say like, hey, we have to, we're going to compensate in in our offer for you for what you could possibly generate if you were fighting on pay-per-view, which would make Golovkin, I think it would be like, they're probably going to give him like between four and a half and six and a half million per fight over a four-year deal. That would come out to maybe 27 and a half million over four fights, possibly for Golovkin. And, and at 36 years old, four fights might even be pushing it in terms of uh, how long he will continue to fight. Is that worth it? 27 and a half million for four fights. Is there a possibility that he makes 10 million for one fight against Jamal Charlo? Yeah, I think that's a high estimate of how much he would make. Um, <laughs> you know, the other way of looking at this is how much did he make against Vanis Martirosian? You know, that was uh, much maligned at the time. But uh, I, well, anyway, I did find the Golovkin uh, uh, Canelo uh, Alvarez guarantee was five million. Triple G was four million. But you know, indications are that they both made you know they both made a lot more uh, money than that. Yeah, right, right. Um, something like 30 million each potentially depending on you know it was must the purse bid was much discussed but we don't actually know how it was divided up when you talk about really all of the different revenue streams um but um yeah i mean again when you're talking about the golovkin jacobs i mean if they did a rematch could i definitely see um uh the pbc side offering a five million dollar guarantee yeah totally you know um I, i think that's very realistic so um, I, I think something which is interesting here, my guess is the way that top rank would structure their offer is that they would go for ESPN pay-per-view. I think there is no question. I mean, ESPN is trying very hard to get into the pay-per-view business, um, <laughs> which we'll discuss later with Crawford's uh, opponent options. Um, but 
I could what I could see is them offering, say, a more generous split. Say, oh well, you know, we we don't have to guarantee as much money, but this is how much money you could make if we get to X number of pay per view buys, or X number of pay per view buys. And I think if Golovkin is looking at that type of deal, you know, obviously that's that's speculative, but um, it just doesn't seem realistic that a Rob Brandt Golovkin pay per view could make that much. So the only way they could structure it is either to guarantee him the amount of money they would lose money on. Or to you know again give her give him a bigger uh, downside guarantee, which he probably would never see because the pay per view buys wouldn't come in. Well, here's here's the argument for why sign with PBC, because if he fights Jamal Charlo, the 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 fight is promoted by GGG Promotions and Lions Only Promotions, and you may have a Warriors Boxing, a TGB Boxing, or even a 360 Boxing who's essentially promoting the undercard, but not the main event. And that gets a license so that you can actually uh, stage the event because who knows if those guys have licenses. But then that means you get a bigger cut. So like the difference between uh, Heyman's guys and everyone else is that Heyman's guys get a cut of a lot more of things that generate revenue versus, uh, you know, if you're with top rank, that's not necessarily the case. So that's why, that's one of the, like, I guess... It's not a loophole, but one of the, the the tactics that is used to generate more or get the fighter more money and why Heyman's um, offerings are attractive to fighters. Uh, let's um, – should we move on? Yeah. Let me touch on this very quickly. Um, yeah, just, just to, to respond directly to that point. I mean this was something which came up uh, – there, there are two, two pieces of this. One, just broadly speaking, uh, Heyman has been the best guy for fighters fighting on pay-per-view. You know, he takes a smaller split because he doesn't work with, um, you know, f- these fighters don't have full promotional contracts. Um, they get by far the largest split of a pay-per-view purse compared with top rank takes a much larger piece of the pay-per-view purse um, that, you know, I'm oversimplifying it. You gave a lot more details about that. But so, you know, again, it, it would stand to reason there are two components of pay-per-views for Golovkin, who the opponents are and what his split is that probably both would be best on the PBC side. Again, that removes Canelo, though. Any version, even a bad Canelo deal would make him more money. Um, to get into some of the, the, the specifics, uh, at, you know, just a very related topic. This also came up when Hearn was trying to sign PBC fighters over the summer. I'll just touch on this very quickly. But um, something that, you know, when all of those offers were going out, when Hearn was trying to get Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence, etc., Basically, what he was trying to do was offer them a certain guaranteed amount of money. He said, hey, you know, I'm offering them more than they'll make on Showtime, but they're being given fantasies that they're going to end up being pay-per-view fighters. You know, this was relevant to Wilder as well. And, you know, what have we seen? Wilder fought on pay-per-view, and he's making by far more money. He stands to make by far more money from the Fury fight than he was offered by Hearn. Uh, by far, you know, if you think of what Hearn was offering him for Dylan White, say, for Dylan White fight, for say, for instance, um, by far more money. Uh, Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia are going to make by far more money than what Hearn said he was offering them because he was using as a point of reference the publicly disclosed purses that they had for past fights, which ignore you know the money they were actually getting paid from their you know promotional component of it and. Um, you know, as those those events being co-promoted by their promotional entities. So um, it's uh, it's an interesting thing, which, again, it's like without pay-per-view, um, Hearn and some of these other entities are in a position to, to offer better deals. But once pay-per-view comes in, again, Top Rank wants a better split. And the PBC also generally has better opponents. I, I think we can definitely move on. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on this. All right. Um, Danny Garcia was offered a fight 
with Terrence Crawford. And this comes after the news that Luis Colazzo has apparently agreed to fight Terrence Crawford. And, uh, you know, the news that Danny Garcia, they, you know, they called Danny's dad and said, Here's a, you want to fight with Terrence Crawford, but Danny Garcia was already going to fight Adrian Granados. So then we hear news today that Amir Khan has been offered a $5 million guarantee. Amir Khan, a $5 million guarantee to fight Terrence Crawford to be Terrence Crawford's next opponent. And I said this last week, that the, the moment, the moment that we heard about Luis Colazzo, the first thing that came to mind was Manny Pacquiao and Jesse Vargas, where top rank has this bait and switch, lowering expectation strategy where they will, they will, they'll say, oh yeah, we want to fight this guy, Danny Garcia, Adrian Broner. And then they say, well, well Broner's priced himself out and so is Danny Garcia. So we're going to fight Jesse Vargas. But if you actually follow boxing closely, you'll know that there were rumors before those guys were mentioned of a fight between Manny Pacquiao and Jesse Vargas. And the same thing is happening here. The same thing's happening here. You, they, they float out Colazzo, everyone gets mad. They say, okay, Danny Garcia, everyone's like, oh, that's cool. But you notice in the news like that, that, that came out this time, it was like, yeah, but Garcia rejected. Um, and it was kind of dumb because like, why are you trying to make a fight with Danny Garcia going through his dad? His dad doesn't make his fights for him. That's Al Heyman. Top ranks worked enough in boxing to know you go to Al Heyman. And they said like, oh, well, if we went to Al, the fight would have never happened. It's like, but okay, but he, Danny Garcia already had a fight. What's your point? And so, I mean, where do we start with this? Like, who do you blame <laughs> is like what, Amir Khan in 2019? Cause that's when the fight's going to happen. 2019. Do you think they try for pay-per-view um, pick and choose what you'd like to, to talk about here? Sure. Yeah, I think we can go through each. I mean, you already touched on each, each briefly, but the three guys we're talking about are Danny Garcia, Luis Colazzo, and Khan as possible fighters for Crawford. Yeah, I mean, the Danny Garcia thing is just ridiculous. I mean, also the amount of money they offered him, $3 million uh, flat fee. At least I believe that was reported. Um, was it a $3 million flat fee or, or a pay-per-view guarantee? For Khan? Oh, for Garcia. Um, I don't even remember correctly. Uh, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, anyway, they, 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 they offered. So this is the reported information. This isn't, you know, me, but they, but they called Danny Garcia's dad will, and said, we'll offer your son $3 million to fight Crawford. Again, not how the negotiation works. And it's a complete low ball amount of money. I mean, whatever you want to estimate, like, you know, to use the Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder again. We don't know the pay-per-view buys. We've been estimating both will make high eight-figure paydays. You know, let's say that makes a little bit less than that. But if that, say, there's an overall split of about $15 million between the two fighters, um, <laughs> you know, if you're only offering Garcia... Uh, three million. That's an eighty twenty split. So I mean, it's a low ball amount of money. They went outside the normal channels. They, you know, it's it's just non serious. As you said, it's it's just top rank uh, trying to get a cover story for whatever fight Crawford ends up doing. Also, a little weird to call it the number five guy at welterweight. Like it's not like they even tried to do this with Spence to prove they're the toughest guy on the block. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> That's how Crawford proves he's tough by calling out the number five guy. Like he's not calling out, you know, Porter who just beat Garcia, Thurman who beat Garcia, 
uh, not calling out Spence, who's, who's pretty widely considered the number one guy in the division. I mean, it's just, yeah, we can just toss that aside. That's just top rank idiocy. Uh, Luis Colazzo thing, also strange. Um, you know, Colazzo is probably somewhere in the top 20. I mean, he's a guy who's a little bit better than his record. Like, he beat two prospects in his last two fights, but you know, that's a guy for a young up-and-comer to fight to prove that he has something. Like, that's a fight which would make sense for Josh Kelly. That's something we'll get to, you know, we'll get to his next fight in a minute. Um, he's a guy who's been a banana peel, but he's always fallen apart at the high level. Makes no sense that Crawford would fight him. I, I don't really, again, it's a little bit strange um, un- unless, um, I don't know. Again, it's it's just part of top rank saying, "Hey, see, we can do business with the PBC," but then you know, causing this other these other high drinks with the Garcia fight. Again, it's ironic. Colazzo actually got a deal signed. He's an Al Heyman advised fighter. Uh, his side of the deal is signed. It's been reported. It's just waiting for Crawford to take it if he wants it. Meanwhile, again, Garcia, they didn't actually get to that point. They just called Angel Garcia on the phone and gave him a lowball offer and then walked away. So. Doesn't make much sense. Regarding Khan, that one's a little more interesting. I mean, $5 million probably makes sense for both fighters at that point. I mean, Khan, it's, I think, a little overstated how much he he actually draws. $5 million is probably a good amount of money for him to take. Uh, Crawford would be heavily favored to knock him out. It's it's one of those things I think it it sneaks onto pay-per-view. Um, Crawford would be would be favored to knock him out. I think ESPN would happily be able to promote that because Crawford would be in a position to rise out of that. So I could definitely see ESPN putting up if they're the ones bankrolling uh, top rank. If that's you know how we're viewing this, I could see them putting up a decent amount of money to get Khan in there. It's a guaranteed knockout win for Crawford. Um, from Khan's side, it's sort of interesting. Um, so first, do you have any response to anything I said? Because otherwise, I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction on Khan. Well, I think that. If you're going to guarantee Khan $5 million, it has to be on pay-per-view. Well, they've already said that. Yeah, that's a pay-per-view number. Like, well, I mean, just in case you're like, well, that that shouldn't be on pay-per-view because Amir Khan isn't that good and blah, blah, blah. It's predictable. As you said, it will be a knockout. Like, if it's a 50-50 split, that's $10 million for this fight. ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports, has something like 80 million subscribers. They're not paying... No $10 million for one damn fight. No way. Um, maybe they'll pay $10 million for Stephen A. Smith, but certainly not Amir Khan and and, and Terrence Crawford because it it's not going to create... And here's another thing. Um, this fight wouldn't generate more subscriptions, whether that be to ESPN Plus or um, regular ESPN. I don't think for $10 million, it's worth that amount of money. But on pay-per-view where they can make some of that back, I think they would try it. And I think they need to try the pay-per-view model. You know, PBC, Showtime, they're going to... We'll see how the Wilder Fury uh, pay-per-view does. And I think it'll do all right. It's obviously not going to, you know, it's not going to approach any records. But it's going to be all right. And I think ESPN needs to get out there and try it too. Now, unfortunately, Crawford versus uh, Amir Khan, while it carries some cachet because we all know Amir Khan's name and he's been in the spotlight for almost a decade, but it's not going to move the needle that much. It's it's in reality a bad fight. Uh, Amir Khan should not be in this position. Um, you can you, you can say whatever rank you want to say, but I think that's useless and, and, and stupid to bring up because let's just look at the fighter. Uh, Amir Khan has melted down uh, in several fights with top-tier talent. 
he's gotten knocked out by Canelo, and granted, Canelo's one of the bigger punchers out there. Um, but Amir Khan has no chance against Terence Crawford in 2019. Terence Crawford is in, is in his prime and will pick apart Amir Khan and, as you said, will deliver a knockout. I don't think this is intriguing, but at the same time, what Terence Crawford fight is intriguing to the point of we're talking 50-50. There's only two opponents out there for him. Those guys are both tied up, one of them in a pay-per-view fight. And we're offline from, like, the timeline for those fights are further down. We're talking 2020 because of the ability to build that fight. And think about it this way. If we're serious about Crawford fighting Spencer Thurman on pay-per-view as it deserves and should be, well, what we saw with Wilder versus Joshua is that we want that fight. We don't want them to just stumble into a pay-per-view and do a low number like Ward and Kovalev did. We want that fight to be a big deal. And Wilder fighting Fury on pay-per-view, uh, Joshua coming over here and fighting in America starts to build towards something. And that's what I see this move as, is we need to get Terrence Crawford and establish him on pay-per-view. Even if he does 150, 200,000 buys for whoever he winds up fighting, even if that's the case, you don't, like, pay-per-view stars aren't built overnight. Nobody's come in and on their first try done a million buys. It don't happen. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, well, Manny yeah, Pacquiao. if it could happen, that would just mean they should have gone on to pay-per-view a lot earlier. Exactly. <laughs> but these uh, guys, look, we'll, I'll finish with this. There's only a few people yeah. in the country that understand how pay-per-view works, and those are the ones that are doing it. Steven Espinoza is one of those guys who actually knows how pay-per-view works and knows a lot of the things that we don't know. And I think anytime you have the chance to put a guy on pay-per-view and you think you can sell, you do it. And um, I, I don't hate the move. I, I hate the opponent. I hate the fight. I obviously want to see Terrence. I mean, I w I'm more interested in Crawford fighting Kavalaskas. I think that's a better fight. But when it comes <laughs> to establishing Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence in 2020 or whenever they make that fight as the biggest fight in boxing, let's take the steps now. Yeah. I, God, there's so many. Uh, I'll try to answer succinctly. Yeah, it's like regarding the con fight. I don't want it to happen. I just think financially the numbers add up, <laughs> just, just, just to say as like clinically as possible. I mean, it has um, to happen. yeah, look, as you've said, uh, ESPN, like Dan Rayfield, other people at, at ESPN have talked about wanting to get on pay-per-view. Bob Arum talks about wanting to get on pay-per-view. The top-ranked universe notably did not shit on Wilder Fury because, or Pacquiao Broner or whatever because they're trying to do more pay-per-views. Um, I mean, they did a little bit, but not as much as they could have and as we've seen them troll, uh, you know, competitors' fights. Um, they, you know, that their model makes sense if they have pay-per-view. You know, they can't pay all their fighters $3 million to fight on ESPN. That's not, you know... That, that doesn't really add up even if you're not paying the B-side any money. Um, yeah, just, just to go through very quickly, just just to, I mean, at least finish my side of it. Garcia fight is a joke offer. Colazzo fight could happen because Colazzo, they could pay him, you know, more money than he could. If they want to pay him seven, $750,000, that's more than he could make from anyone else. Fine. Crawford can fight him. I guess he can. They can try to do something with the angle that that Colazzo hurt Thurman. I, I don't know. That's really the only way I, I think they could promote it. Um, and the con fight, again, the numbers add up and they want to get onto ESPN pay-per-view. The last thing I'd wanted to say about that before about con, because, again, you have to look at this from the point of view of those opponents. Again, Garcia, non-starter. Colazzo, I could see it happening, although it's a strange fight. The con fight, um, con 
the the most money he stands to make, if you're saying what could he do instead of getting a five million dollar guarantee for this, is if the PBC there are two fights which could make him potentially more money. Hearn could offer him more money for the Brook fight. Um, Potentially, it was it was reported as part of this that from Khan's point of view, that does more damage to his brand if he loses to Brooke than Crawford, who's viewed as being number one or number two pound for pound. Also, he could still fight Brooke at some point later, as as groan inducing as that is. He could still, if he got knocked out now, he could still fight Brooke two years from now and make some amount of money. The place where he could make the most money is if the PBC Universe can guarantee him to fight the Broner Pacquiao winner. Um, if they could deliver that, you know, if they could get Pacquiao slash Broner on board with that, or if Heyman felt confident he could do that, that could make him more than $5 million. It would make him more, you know, we always talk about risk and reward in boxing. It would make him more money and it would be lower risk. That's actually a fight he could conceivably win, you know, either of those guys, uh, versus, uh, Terrence Crawford. You know, if you're talking about 2018 Manny Pacquiao, as opposed to 2018 Terrence Crawford, that's definitely an easier fight for Khan, and he could make more money doing it. So it's an interesting thing. I, 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 you know, you talk about the moment in time, like look at how Hearn was shitting on Wilder last summer compared to uh, Wilder's bargaining position now. Look at how Hearn was shitting on, you know, Garcia and Spence turning down his offers because he th- they thought they could make more money on pay-per-view at the BBC Universe. Meanwhile, they have a pay-per-view signed against each other. They'll definitely make more money than he was guaranteeing them. So uh, Khan... I think if he holds on a little bit, if if you know that deal is at, if that fight's actually in the works, um, that would probably make the most sense for him. But you know, if Top Rank's willing to give him five million dollars, I just don't see any other way for him to make that much money. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? Or we re- oh oh, last thing quickly, Kavalashkas. Um, look, we've given him mixed reviews. He's probably top ten at welterweight. Um, he uh, Garcia is a better fighter and is ranked higher, uh, but they're not getting Garcia. Uh, <laughs> Kavalaskas, um, you know, he's a top 10 guy. That wouldn't be the worst fight. It's definitely not a pay-per-view, though. So, uh, <laughs> plus, you know, this thing we've talked about as far as some of these streaming deals and with these small stables and how stretched thin, like, is the Kavalaskas fight going to be one of Crawford's better fights in the next two years? You know, considering how thin top rank stable is, that's possible. You know, how sad is that that maybe they feel they need to draw that one out as one of his better fights? I mean, I I think most people just thought it was a given that he was going to fight him next in the same way that Lomachenko had been lined up to fight Pedraza. Um, anyway, I'm, yeah, way done with this topic. Yeah, um, we can move on. I do think that that's what they think, that we can save Kavalaskas for later. Let him keep building. We can turn this guy into a machine, and we have a legit, like, appears to be 50-50 fight on our network with our own fighters. Um, let's let Eddie Hearns or whoever others guys uh, lose before we, we give um, our guy the opportunity to lose to Terrence Crawford. Um, that's it for the news. Let's start looking at the fights this coming weekend. Uh, first up, we have Vasily Lomachenko versus Jose Pedraza. The question is, do you accept this matchmaking for a guy of the talent of Vasily Lomachenko? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was a little more negative on this at the time after Pedraza got his win, set up this fight. Um, Ray Beltran had long been set up as the next Lomachenko opponent. Uh, Pedraza beat him. Uh, I think a lot of people joked because Pedraza was knocked out by Trevante Davis, but I think once you take the magnifying glass to it, Jose Pedraza was 
top five guy. He was a belt holder, top five guy at 130 when Gervonta beat him. You know, Davis crushed him, but I think that more speaks to how good Davis is and how bright a, a future star he is given how young he is and how young he was than when he got that win. Now, 135, Pedraza's gotten a bunch of comeback wins. He beat Ray Beltran in his last fight. I think you'd say top 10 guy at 135. I don't think it's hard to get him in the top five. Maybe you have an argument that he's number five, but you know, he's at least in the top 10. Um, look, when we're talking about Terrence Crawford fighting Luis Colazzo, uh, um, Jose Pedraza is a better fight than that. Um, you know, he's not as shop worn. He has that one loss, albeit, you know, a devastating loss to Gervonta Davis. Not that bad. At the same time, Lomachenko comes in as a prohibitive favorite. Lomachenko is at least at worst number two pound for pound. So it's not competitive, but you know, if you look at the boxing landscape, if you look at how thinned out stuff is, I don't think I'm going to blame him for topping, fighting a top 10 guy. Uh, what's your what's your take? Absolutely. I believe that this is a holding pattern fight for Lomachenko. I do not accept this kind of matchmaking for Lomachenko. Now, as a personal level, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. I'm not mad at the match. I just, I want more for Lomachenko. I, this should be the Lenars rematch. I mean, let's let's be real about Lomachenko. Frequently, people are like, oh, you're a hater of Lomachenko. Shut up. Lomachenko's skills are big time, okay? Like, I have no doubt about that. Lomachenko is in the top three of fighters today. Depending on how you want to slice it up. You want to slice it up by saying what they've accomplished in the ring, who they've beaten, just the way you, the way you project their skills to be, whatever. Lomachenko's in that conversation no matter how you want to slice it and Jose Pedraza is a guy that he fought Javante Davis you fight this little 21 year old Javante Davis he's shorter than him Pedraza comes in with the nickname sniper meaning he boxes on the outside and as a prospect as a guy on the rise Jose Pedraza certainly did that I believe he outboxed Michael Farinas in getting that WBA title that ultimately he had to give over to Javante Davis after he got stopped because he could not stop this shorter guy from getting inside and just beating him up. And let's let's be real here. Javante Davis doesn't have the skill of Lomachenko. He doesn't. He doesn't have the footwork. He's not as fast as him. Javante Davis literally just went in there and beat him up. And so I'm looking at this fight and it's like, how do how how am I going to convince myself to get excited about this fight in terms of the competitiveness of the two uh, of the guys in the ring? I don't see it. Now, I, I I can get excited to see Lomachenko fight. The guy's talented, of course. But in terms of, is this a good fight? I, I don't really think so. Now, that's kind of personal feelings as far as like the fight. I get it, you know? This is the best they have. They, they, they signed Pedraza for the reason being, we're going to make this guy into a contender at some division, wherever he chooses to fight. And this is getting their money's worth by putting him in there with Pedro, or sorry, with Lomachenko. This is what they have to do. This is why guys sign with them because you get fights like this. Pedraza could have stood in the PBC side of things. You know, they did the same thing. They built Pedraza back up. He, you know, he was unknown. They build him up and then he fights against Javante Davis. And unfortunately, he loses. You know, if he beats Javante Davis, he's still in fights over there. Maybe he's this fight, his next fight is Abner Mars versus. Um, Lomachenko, but that's just the way things roll, okay? So Lomachenko is going to 
he's going to carve him up. There, there's no two ways to put it. Jose Pedraza just has not been, never will be, is not good enough to compete with the Lomachenko. Um, it's a mismatch. But it's a mismatch that on paper looks solid. You know, Pedraza's only got one loss. Probably, I think he does, he does. I don't think he has any draws. Um, with the exception of the Davis fight, Pedraza's been very good in all of his fights. But I, I'm here to tell you, just looking at an eye test, Pedraza is not going to be able to hang with Lomachenko. The only question, the only thing that you might be able to say is like, okay, Lomachenko had a little bit of problem. A little bit of a problem with Linares' power. He's facing another 135-pound fighter. It's the second fight at 135 pounds. What if Pedraza catches him clean? What if Pedraza drops him? Lomachenko may still win the fight, but what if Pedraza drops him? Does Lomachenko then have a problem that needs to be addressed, possibly by going back down to 130? Uh, That's something to think about in this fight, but I don't think it's terribly exciting. I don't. It's literally just a chance. That that happens, but the likely all likelihood is that Lomachenko easy decision, if not stoppage win over Pajaza. Yeah, just look. I don't think it's going to be competitive, but I also wouldn't. Pu- I don't want to punish Lomachenko for being good. You know. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's just he's a lot that. better than Pedraza, but okay. I'll definitely watch a ten out of ten. I'll watch him knock Pedraza out on Saturday. To to on a more general level, never get mad at the fighter. Never get mad at the fighter for for mismatches. I don't blame Lomachenko. Lomachenko, Lomachenko. If you said to him, "Let's you want to fight Kovalev?" He'd be like, "Sure." <laughs> I don't know if I give him that much credit. Well, wait, but sure. I'm not going to blame him. Kovalev in this case. is shot. I'll fight him. Lomachenko will beat Kovalev probably in his own mind. So these guys like Usyk, 200 pound fighter, willing to go up and fight Anthony Joshua. You know that that's giving up 50 pounds. We just saw Deontay Wilder gave up 45 pounds against, or however much it was, against Tyson Fury. Fighters fight. They're scared of nobody. And when it, when it comes to mismatches, and this certainly is a mismatch, Lomachenko's probably not happy with it. Lomachenko knows that he should be fighting whoever you guys consider the best is. And that's what they want. No fighter's like, oh, just give me, give me. I mean, maybe there are some, but I think champions... You have to have that kind of competitive nature to fight at the level of Lomachenko. You have to have like that kind of drive that keeps you wanting to challenge yourself to get like Terrence Crawford. I don't think Terrence Crawford really wants to fight Amir Khan. I think he really wants to fight Spence. But look, these guys aren't in control. They they hire advisors and managers and promoters in order to make these decisions for them so they don't have to spend so much time analyzing opponents. So... You know, that's that's just how I feel about this. Um, Isaac Dogbay is on the undercard against Emmanuel Navarrete. Um, what's your take on this fight? Yeah, Navarrete, if you start, you know, start to look him over, it's it's not a name that really jumped out to me originally, but you, know, you do a little bit of box rec research. Um, have you ever seen Navarrete fight, by the way? Would I have, I have no seen clue. him? Yeah, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, going through his, his, his box rec, that's, you know, just <laughs> honest answer, that's the analysis I'm doing. Um, he's a guy in the top 10 at 122. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't really know what to say more than that. Uh, uh, looks like he's a good style matchup for Dogbe. Um, he's going to get know, knocked Not out. the worst thing. I mean, Dogbe fought, uh, you know, a corpse in his last fight. This is much better than that, regardless of how good of a style matchup it is, potentially. So, look, I like Dogbe. 
he's fighting a guy who's in the top 10. Look, we've seen Zerto Ramirez on top rank cards fight guys who are like number 90 in the division, you know, which when you're getting that low, really, it's just sort of like top ranks or uh, box ranks kind of rounding that to zero. Um, not not the worst thing. And I like Dogbe. So, again, it's a fight I'll be looking forward to on the card. Dogbe is going to knock him out. I know that because if you look at his box rack, this is your this is your like your red flag opponent. Okay, you you, you look for opponents who've never fought in big venues, who fought specifically in the same region generally for their entire career. What you have here is just a regional tough guy who's good enough to beat everyone. Although um, Navarrete isn't even that because he's lost once, um, but. He wasn't even, he's not been good enough to complete, like, he's good enough to dominate that regional op- opposition, but that doesn't mean anything. I think Navarrete might have a slight size advantage over Dogbay, but that's not, actually, it's not going to be slight if we're to believe the heights. Um, Dogbay 5'2", Navarrete 5'7", but I, I really don't think that that's going to make much of a difference. Um, Dogbay is now training at an elite level. Navarrete's probably not even anything close to that. So I think the question is like, could Dogbay reach some level of stardom? I think if you look at Dogbay in terms of like his, his personality, the charisma that he's got, he, he's so good. He has everything that you want to, that you want to see in a fighter to make him into a star. The only problem is that he's five foot two fighting at 122 pounds and realistically, what are the big fights for him? And I mean big. You say Ray Vargas, I hang up on you. That's not a big fight. What are the big fights at 122? Daniel Roman, I hang up on you. <laughs> that would I would enjoy that fight for sure. Yeah, but you and three other people. Right. I'm not saying it draws money, but I'm just speaking up for it. Yes, I would watch that. So there's nothing at... 122 pounds for Dogbay. Now, it's not Dogbay's problem. There's, you know, a lot of guys moved up. Some moved down. There's just not much at, at 122 pounds. I, I, the, what I see for him is very likely he's going to wind up fighting Jonathan Guzman, who has not looked good. Since he lost by uh, knockout, I think he got knocked out. No, he yeah, lost. He looks like a great prospect, but yeah, he's he's fallen off since then after he lost. Yeah, he looked good, big, heavy hands, and then lost to the guy, lost to uh, Oguni, I think is what his name is. Um, and then look, the 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 chance of stardom for Dogbay lies in Naoya Inouye winning the bantamweight tournament, which it appears that he will, and then moving up to one twenty two. And then Dogbay fights him in Japan. That's the big fight for Dogbay. Vargas isn't going to do it. I, I I have not met a person that enjoys watching Ray Vargas fight. Um, probably, I mean, Ray Vargas will lose to Dogbay, by the way. Like, Vargas struggled badly with Hovanesian. Like, Hovanesian was just bouncing his gloves off of uh, Vargas's head. So, the... 122 is at a weird spot right now where there's really nothing going on. You have a good fighter in Daniel Daniel Roman, but I don't really see much in Roman. Do you? I like Roman. He's a fun guy to watch. I, can I, I'm going to take this in a slightly different direction. Um, top rank is part of their deal. If they can put a fighter in a main event 
that has a world title, they get a certain amount of guaranteed money. Dog Bay has a world title. Um, you know, similar, we'll, if we re- end up recapping the situation with Kvodzik, Kvodzik now has the world title. He's another guy who's going to um, headline uh, ESPN cards. You know, um, I think uh, Dogbe brings action. He brings aggression. If they put him in with a low level of opposition, he can knock them out. Um, just <laughs> as we're talking, I'm watching a Navarrete fight on YouTube, and he is absolutely horrible. The fighter he actually reminds me of is Carlos Acampo, who fought Errol Spence and got blown out in less than a round. Um, he throws super wide and he's super slow. Um, Dogbe is going to absolutely eat him up. Regional um, tough guy. That's what that is. Yeah, well, and specifically against seeing tape on him, just the throws wide is so slow. I mean, yeah, Dogbe is compact, throws has fast hands, has power. Yeah, he's just gonna he's just gonna chew him up and spit him out. So, um, but look, if you want to see <laughs> a similar thing I said to the Lomachenko fight, if you want to see Dogbe get a knockout, um, that's fine. I mean, look, if th- that looks like what top rank model is going to be that they're going to have these smaller shows with a guy in the with a world title in the main event and we as fans can hope for good opposition this is an undercard fight they're not trying to sell this as a main event um dog base one of those guys you know i don't think he's destined for superstardom but you know he's still young let's see how many weight classes he can go through but um i don't think that's really the point you know i think he's good enough and fun enough and has a big enough personality that he can headline some of these espn shows yeah i'm i'm in for that uh this is a question that um someone should research has top rank put on a non-title fight main event in their in their deal with espn i don't think they have just... I thought about that. Um, th- Bryant Jennings, I believe, headlined a card, and he oh, definitely yeah. does Jennings not have a title. Was probably, but the, you know, against... that he's a he's a heavyweight, so maybe there was some kind of you know, uh, they get a pass on that because they brought heavyweight boxing to TV, and that actually did not a bad rating. So, yeah, it wasn't bad. you know that's you know sort of that 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 premise plays out. Ready to move on to Teofimo Lopez. Uh, yeah, before Tom comes up in here and says, oh, well, Teofimo Lopez isn't that good, blah, blah, blah. Teofimo Lopez is fighting Mason Menard, who Ray Beltran knocked out. Before he says all of that, Teofimo Lopez is probably the best prospect in boxing. And Teofimo Lopez will indeed, would indeed beat Robert Easter Jr. Your thoughts, Tom? Look, you've said that before. I totally disagree. I think that's ridiculous. I think it would be a complete mismatch of experience. Um, look, oh, that, I, I can see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, I bet you would have said the same thing when Javante Davis fought Jose Pedraza. I bet you would have said the same thing. Oh, no. Uh, Javante Davis would not win I this fight. I did say the same thing, actually. Yes, I thought that was too much for Javante at the time. Look. I can answer this very succinctly, and you gave me a great example bringing up Robert Easter Jr. That that proves my point exactly. Robert Easter Jr., when he fought the level of guys Teofimo Lopez is fighting, he also blew them out. You know, there are levels in boxing, oh, and that's an oh. overused expression, but oh. he was blowing out that level of guy. When he stepped up, you start to see the flaws in his game. You know, Robert Easter Jr., not bad. You know, he lost to oh. Mikey Garcia. Oh. I am not going to take too much away from him for that. With Teofimo Lopez, I'm not saying he's terrible. I'm just saying, you know, apply the trust but verify rule. You know, he looks good, seems to be passing the eye test. But he's fought such a low level of opposition, we really haven't learned that much. You know, when you're fighting guys uh, who have, you know, 
as many knockout losses as the guys he's fighting. You know, when you're going, when a guy who's 30 and 14, uh, Juan Pablo Sanchez with nine KO losses goes the distance with him. Um, yeah, you know, that, that, that doesn't tell me that much at the same time. He's still young. <laughs> I always say that about prospects to give him time to develop. Um, he showed fantastic offense in his last fight, but that's all he had to show because his opponent couldn't bring anything back in return. Uh, Menard is a guy who's been knocked out violently three times already. Uh, this probably will be a fourth knockout loss. Again, though, I don't fall top rank too much. You know, this is third build on the card. It's on ESPN. It's a chance to put some eyeballs on Teofimo Lopez. Uh, Menard... You know, I don't know if we need to see him get knocked out a third time. I don't really know why that helps us that much. Um, I don't know. I mean, Devin Haney knocked him out. Ray Beltran knocked him out. I guess maybe they're going to try to get Teofimo Lopez to knock him out earlier, which I think he will do. Um, you know, uh, traumatic brain injury um, accumulates. Um, if you've been knocked out before, you're going to get knocked out again. Uh, Teofimo Lopez at least has a very good offense. So, yeah, I, again, that's it's not really taking anything away from him. I just He's fought such a low level of opposition. I, I just don't think it really says that much about his ceiling or his possible ability to fight at the world level. Again, Robert Easter Jr., perfect example. It sounded like he wanted to respond to that, but he was he he has blown out a higher level of opposition than Fumo Lopez has fought. Well, they're at different stages in their career, no doubt about it. Um, Robert Easter, let's not forget that Robert Easter struggled to beat Comey, really struggled to get Luis Cruz out of there, Arguably, uh, didn't really beat Denis Shafikov. That was that was much closer than the scorecards indicate. And then his win over Javier Fortuna, a little suspect. So I'm not going to sit here and act like Robert Easter Jr. is some great fighter. That it's unfathomable for me to think that one of the top prospects in boxing couldn't beat. Because I certainly think he could. Um, but look, Teofimo Lopez is at a much, much, much... Uh, earlier stage in his career and he's being challenged or uh, he's being challenged pretty lightly so far um, the reason why by the way is Teofimo Lopez had a little bit of a hand problem in his last fight um, so that's a, a problem going forward uh, how Lopez deals with his hand injuries and whether or not he can retain his power I think Menard's a good a good opponent for him he's experienced um, as you said he's been knocked out before yeah that's that's true that's true, but so is Amir Khan, and we're seeing Terrence Crawford fight him. So that doesn't seem to be a problem uh, in terms of opponents for top fighters. Uh, and I believe Amir Khan has been knocked out brutally as well. So, um, look, Teofimo Lopez is talented. It's going to be interested, interesting to see how his hands look and how if he's throwing with any sort of conviction or not in this fight, or will he be hesitant uh, to, um, you know, give his hands a chance to, you know, get used to just landing punches again. But, you know, I said that kind of to just little rile you up. Teofimo Lopez, obviously you're right. You have to take your time with prospects. I mean, Shakur Stevenson looks great right now, but he didn't look great a year ago. <laughs> he's looked great in one fight. <laughs> you know, it, he's been all over the place. And, and Oscar Valdez is the guy that looked unbelievable as a prospect with both power and boxing ability but the reality is it's not necessarily the case so you have to take your time with these prospects uh over in the one UK, second one last singer 
Uh, Mason Marnar's chin <laughs> is not strong enough to trouble Teofimo Lopez's hands. No, <laughs> I don't think he'll even have to throw that hard to get him uh, get him out of there. Again, when th- this is uh, coming, this is his third. He's had three brutal knockouts. You know, fighters don't get better chins. They, you know, it's a downward decline. Um, it, it, it's pretty cynical. You know, I, I, just one last bit of beef about this. I mean, when you look at fighters' resumes and they're, they're, you're challenging a prospect, you say, what does this mean? Is this a faded veteran? You know, some kind of crossroads fight? Um, is it a guy who upset another prospect or, you know, has looked good against other prospects? Um, <laughs> look, you look at the box rec, there isn't even a cover story. The only thing that Mason Bernard has done of note is get knocked out uh, by other fighters. You know, look, he has done exactly one other thing. He beat, uh, he, he scored a crazy knockout over AD Bernardo on Showbox. Okay. But, you know, Bernardo has been knocked out uh, since then by other fighters. Like, that, that, that's not really been shown to be that good of a, a, a win. But, okay, look, uh, Menard has one knockout, has one highlight reel knockout, but then he also has a bunch of knockout losses. It's, I, I, I think as boxing fans, we can, pro, you know, I said we, do, we shouldn't really expect more than this. Teofimo Lopez is young, and this is the third slot in undercard. We probably expect a little better than this. This is this is pretty cynical. I mean, uh, Menard only has one win, and that was against a five and six fighter uh, since that last brutal knockout. So, look, guys, don't. They, you got to take your time with a guy coming off of an injury. I mean, Jared Hurd could have fought someone better than Jason Welburn. You saw how bad Jason Welburn is when Jared Hurd just decides, okay, I think I'll just stop playing with him, and then the fight's over 10 seconds later. So, Yeah, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right, but anyway, that's a whole other this thing. This is boxing. I, yes, they do. But <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. Once uh, someone goes low, then that opens the door for someone else to go lower. But yeah, we, we can definitely move on. Uh, Kel Brook will fight Michael Zarafa. If you're like, where's Michael Zarafa from? How do I know him? Michael Zarafa fought Peter Quillen like three years ago. Uh, Maybe four years ago, actually. He fought him like four years ago. (laughs) I thought Uh, you were going to say they know him from the local strip club. Oh, well, I've never been there, but apparently you have. (laughs) Um, uh, No, Kel Brook or or Michael Zarafa got put on a a stretcher because... um, Peter Quillen knocked him senseless. So Kel Brook, naturally, in his comeback, will face Michael Zarafa. Um, and I have no clue what to say about this fight because I just don't think it's very interesting. Kel Brook should win the fight pretty easily. Does this build to the Amir Khan fight? I don't know. I don't know if I even care. I don't know if I even should care. Um, but I like Kel Brook. I, 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 you know, when it comes to Team Brook versus Team Khan. I'm definitely on Team Brook. So we could take that for what it's worth. I'll watch it. I don't know if I'll enjoy it. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But that's literally all I have to say about this. Yeah, don't have a lot to add. It's clearly a stay-busy fight. It's not claiming to be anything beyond that. Um, I don't know. I mean, are there really fans who are, you know, that into Kell Brook that they want to see him fight Michael Zarafa? Um, they're not even probably some fans that want to see Kel. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, yeah, that I, I don't really have anything to add. Look, Kelbrook staying busy. Um, there you go. Let's see if uh, Kelbrook can knock Zarafa out as brutally as Peter Quillen did. Uh, on the undercard, Josh Kelly will fate fate 
fight, David Avanesian. David Avanesian, you may recognize as a guy that beat Shane Mosley. Let that sink <laughs> well, in. Well, Shane Mosley's corpse, yeah. How no, old no, was no, Mosley at Shane that Mosley. time? 45? He, that's a Hall yeah. of Famer you're talking about in Shane Mosley. <laughs> he, has a, he has a Hall of Famer on his record. So He's the Hall of Famer killer. Yeah, that's David Avanesian, the legend killer. Uh, he'll be facing Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, if he wins this, will naturally become a legend himself. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Um, Avanesian should provide a decent enough challenge for Kelly. The problem in this fight is that Avanesian is might be kind of gone. I mean, he looked really bad against Kavalaskis. Um, that might have been the last time he fought, too. I have no clue when he last it fought. It was, yeah. He has no... That was a pretty bad knockout, too. But, um, yeah, he hasn't fought since then. Yeah, so this this should be an easy win for Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly's a solid fighter. Um, he didn't look t- terribly, like, great when he fought Carlos Molina. That should have been an easy fight, and Kelly kind of struggled in that fight. So it'll be nice to see a different style here and give Kelly an opportunity to, um, you know, erase the memory of the fight with Molina. Yeah, I, I think, look, I was joking about... Uh... <laughs> having Shane Mosley on his record, but Avanesian, uh, not bad. I think this is, uh, I think either best or second best opponent for Josh Kelly. So you can't really fault him for stepping up his opposition. Um, he's only been a pro for a year and a half. Um, yeah, not bad. I mean, it makes sense for this level of, uh, his development, um, regarding his record, as we said, he, uh, has the, the, uh, has the win over, you know, very, very old Shane Mosley and what would end up being Mosley's last fight. Hall of Famer. Um, <laughs> um, I, I do have a soft spot for Shane Mosley, despite some of his, uh, troubled, troubled, uh, record but um what, what, what's troubled about shane mosley's record oh uh positive ped tests oh but you, you know. can forgive certain heavyweights who've tested positive well look i'm not <laughs> i'll just say again two wrongs don't make a right and we can yes move they on. do but uh yeah josh kelly um we we were talking about teofimo lopez a minute ago um similar example you know he's looked good but we haven't really seen him tested yet um carlos molina was a very faded version of Carlos Molina that was still, you know, something was taking the distance by him. Not not the best mark, as you said. Didn't look that great in that fight. It was pretty ugly. Avanisi in another chance. Um, it's a step forward. I mean, ultimately, um, <laughs> I'm cringing before I'm even saying this, but prospects are only as good as they are. You know, um, we'll learn what? more about Kelly from this fight. You know, if he uh, looks like he has trouble... That means he's probably a guy who, while undefeated, not really a prospect anymore. You know, that would really diminish him. If he looks impressive, goes the distance, that means something. Looks impressive, knocks him out. Um, That means he's really moving up in the world. You know, as we said, Kavalaskas, who's, you know, I I think probably deserves to be considered in the lower half of the top 10, the 147. Uh, not, not a bad win for Kelly. Um, you know, as we said, his chin has already been softened up by Kavalaskis. Um, if, if that, you know, loss weren't on the record, we probably wouldn't see this, you know, he's coming off that loss without any recovery fights. Um, but look, uh, on paper, it's not too bad. Uh, Kelly's a guy worth giving a chance. He's still, you know, he's fairly young. He's not as young as some of these other guys, but he's 24. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to watch this and I'm going to be very interested to see how it plays out. Uh, okay, and then the final HBO card ever. Oh, God. 
Headlined by Cecilia Bracus versus Alexandra Lopez. Clarissa Shields will fight Femke Hermans. And Juan Francisco Estrada will face Victor Mendez. Yeah, I don't know if the last one, I put that on the preview. I don't know if that one's actually being broadcast on HBO. If that, okay. I, I don't, we could sit here and kill HBO for, for this card, you know? It's your final card and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know, you know? I don't know if I want to kill him. Um, it certainly is a testament to how Peter Nelson's utter incompetence at, uh, when it comes to the sport of boxing and how he should never, ever be put in a position of power in the sport of boxing again. Um, it's a testament to him that he basically dismantled the the freight train that was HBO boxing um, heading into the, the 2010s uh, and how it's all fallen apart. And now basically been killed by uh, new technologies and uh, the other networks, which is a shame, a, a real shame. Um, but that's my feelings. How do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, a few quick hits. I mean, yeah, we could beat up HBO all day. I, I think it's pretty transparent. I mean, this is uh, contractual. They're fulfilling a contractual obligation. Uh, <laughs> to give Tom Loeffler one last card. Um, I think it's a few things. I mean, it says why we shouldn't miss HBO. I mean, if this was, you know, if they went into 2019 and this is what they're boxing after dark, dark cards were going to look like, I mean, who cares? Um, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a decent ish fan of women's boxing, but Cecilia Brakus is not being matched tough. Clarissa Shields is not being matched tough. Juan Francisco Estrada, if that airs, he's not being matched tough. Again, I do like Estrada. I'm going to watch this card. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, they're just uh, – they probably would have had to pay Loeffler a penalty if they didn't give him one more card, so they're giving him this. Um, that's the only reason it exists. It's not really worth dwelling on too much. Um, I think one thing that is interesting, though, <laughs> I think this gives a preview of what – uh, you know, we got back, we were talking before we started the show talking about Triple G's situation and whether, you know, Loeffler would prefer to sign with the zone or ESPN plus because they could give him a bigger overall deal where he could, uh, you know, show his 360 promotions cards. You know, that would be good for Loeffler, not good for <laughs> Triple G, not good for fight fans. I mean, you know, it's always a little questionable when stuff like this comes up. I mean, to bring up an example from a little while ago, uh, when Miguel Cotto fought Saddam Ali, Golden Boy offered Errol Spence the fight, and they offered Mikey Garcia the Miguel Cotto fight. Those potentially could have been, you know, very, you know, very big. That could have been a big win for either of them. You know, Mikey Garcia, I think if he could have gotten that win coming up from such a lower weight class, Errol Spence, you know, I think would have been favored to win Cotto by beat Cotto by knockout in that fight. You know, that would have been a big thing for either of those guys, but golden boy would only do that fight. If they, if those guys would sign, right, exactly. which is a violation of the Ali act, which nobody talked about how golden boy legally could not offer those, those deals um, to Spence and Mikey to fight Cotto. But you know, let's just ignore that. Sure. Sure. So why am, why am I bringing this up in this context? Cause again, because Triple you love G. Miguel Cotto. <laughs> well, again, it's like that would have been good for Golden Boy potentially. I mean, that would have been good for Golden Boy. It would have been bad for Garcia or Spence, which is why they didn't do it. But definitely wouldn't have been good for Cotto either. I mean, it potentially could have been you know an even more humiliating loss than the one he suffered against Saddam Ali. I mean, um, 
would have been a brutal knockout probably as opposed to, you know, just suffering an injury and going the distance anyway, um, would have been good for golden boy. Not the other guys. Same thing here. You know, it's like, we talked about triple G's options and how he could make more money by fighting on pay-per-view, but Loeffler is potentially looking for a deal, which is better for him where he gets guaranteed dates. Good for the promoter, not necessarily good for the fighter. So you could definitely imagine triple G saying, you know, why would I want to go with that deal? You know? And again, say for fight fans, like, no one should really care <laughs> if Tom Loeffler gets fight dates. You know, same as uh, we'll get to in a second, I think. Uh, yeah, it's actually a good transition. Do you have anything more to say about this, or should we transition no. on to the well, next I one? Well, I will say that I'll do one podcast just on HBO and just kind of a retrospect, looking back, some of the great moments of HBO, things that we might have missed on the Patreon feed uh, this week. Um, but, yeah, let's move on. Transition into our next thrilling fight. <laughs> do you want to do it, or should I? Uh, I'll just say that this Saturday night on Facebook Watch, we will be treated to the fight of the year as a matchup for the ages. Alvarado versus Morales. Uh, oh, Rene oh, Alvarado that, uh... versus Carlos Morales. <laughs> yeah. Not, not yeah, Mike not Alvarado Eric Morales. Versus, yeah. <laughs> versus Eric Morales. That's not the fight we're getting. Um, although it might be that I actually might pay. I would pay for that fight. Seriously. Mike Alvarado versus Eric Morales in 2019. Um, Put that on pay-per-view. I'm buying it. I, I, I mean, look, is sir, you, do you know, this is like totally off the rails, but did you know everyone, especially in MMA, but like even boxing, people were slamming Golden Boy for that, that MMA card that they did and how awful it was and blah, 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 blah. You know that, right? Uh, yes, I'm aware The of numbers those. were bad, weren't they? Uh, did we get any numbers? I mean, one would assume, but... The, the, the pay-per-view buys is estimated to be between twenty five and 30,000 buys. But, oh, boy. But, wow, even lower than Crawford Postal. Before you react, they made enough money to cover the fighter purses. So that's not even... Like, all the ticket sales <laughs> were like... That, that was good because they covered the purses. So, like, they made money. So bef- when you people are like, oh, there's no money in boxing or, or you know, why would... The, there's a lot of money out there, even on a bad pay-per-view like that. So uh, the point was Mike Alvarado versus Eric Morales. I think you had something else to say. Um, finish that up. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, I was sort of interrupting you there. Um, I, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just funny. As you were joking about the <laughs> Alvarado versus Morales, the reason that had come up was the Golden Boy fight poster. They're, they've once again, they're using their deceptive font where they have, you know, they use the, they did this before the Abner Cotto where, you know, Cotto is in giant writing, but then Abner is in tiny writing. Yes, they have again, first name, very, very small, last name, very, very big. Um, yeah, so just just a final note here. Same thing I said with the zone, which is why uh, with uh, your excuse me with Lawfler with three sixty promotions. Um, part of the Canelo deal uh, on the zone is that Golden Boy gets a bunch of fight dates. Uh, we saw how bad Golden Boy's HBO cards were this year. We saw how bad it, Golden Boy's ESPN two cards were this year, and we've seen how horrendously bad their Golden Boy fight nights on Facebook have been. Um, this is just the latest example. The A side in this fight, I just got a marketing email before this uh, podcast started, or else I probably wouldn't even have talked about it, but I got a marketing email. The the A side is Rene Alvarado, 29-8 and eight with one knockout. That's his record. BoxRank has him as the uh, number 19 junior featherweight. Um, you know, look, club show. That's fine. Look, if you want to go out, on a Saturday night, drink a few beers, watch some boxing. That's fine. But, um, you know, this is not 
really a substantial thing for fight fans to be concerned about when Golden Boy is talking about how excited they are for their DAZN dates. Or, you know, Loeffler is talking about trying to get an overall deal where he gets dates for 360 promotions. Um, you know, for me, this kind of rounds down to zero. I mean, uh, I don't want to be too tough on this. I like boxing. I like boxing a lot. If nothing else were happening, I would watch this. But there are a bunch of other cards this weekend. So it's like, where are you going to find the hours to watch this card? A- anyway, um, any other I'm thoughts? Definitely, I'm definitely going to probably watch the HBO card. And before you're like, well, why aren't you going to watch the Lomachenko card? Because that retrospective, that retrospective video is going to be very emotional. And I wonder if any of the commentators might even break a tear. Have, have they? Oh, yeah, I'll bet $10,000 on that. Um, did, uh, that's, that's did, have they actually real. said they're going to do some kind of... Uh, <laughs> um, have, they, have they actually said they're going to do some kind of retrospective? So I, I, mean, I can't remember the exact source, but uh, they did say that they were going to do some sort of goodbye thing on the last, um, on the last episode. I have to say, what a shame that they haven't announced any kind of, like, HBO farewell, like, documentary or special. I mean, just in any given year, like, HBO will do, like, you know, a farewell, you know, or, like, a year-in-review kind of special. Yeah. I mean, presumably they'll do something eventually, but it's just... uh, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, look, as much as I've, I've shot on HBO over the years, they have a long history in boxing, uh, they were at the top of boxing in the U.S. for a long time, even if I didn't think they were necessarily the best shepherd of that position. Even if I think, you know, they they created systemic problems for the sport. They still have a lot of history of all-time great matchups. It's just, you know, there is so much there that they could do. It's uh, they're going to make a legendary nights HBO versus Showtime. Uh, yeah, I mean, not even, but I, I just like, yeah, I, look, there is so much that they could do. HBO is great production people. It's a shame that they've gone out in such a whimper in this way. You know, it's a shame that their announcement that they were leaving HBO was leaked by Peter Nelson to the New York Times because he was trying to protect his image as much as possible. And it wasn't done in any way that honors the history of the sport. Um, you know, hopefully there will be something. I mean, it's been discussed that uh, HBO has a production deal at uh hbo and he said that he's looking forward to the next stage of his career after boxing that he's not going to do boxing commentating anymore that he's going to be producing content for uh hbo look if that ends up being more you know if not legendary nights apparently there is a problem with the rights for that series specifically doing more episodes if they do more you know fight retrospectives using the hbo library um yeah look that could be fun and uh look i am going to watch this card yeah uh as you said, it would be worth it for the retrospective alone. I totally agree with that. But look, I'm doing uh, it out of respect I'll for what it. HBO has put into the sport. Sure, that makes sense. That's a good note to to leave that on. Any other topics? Nope. I think we're out of time. I think uh, you have to go, so I'll let you go. Um, this week, uh, I, again, I will put together my own retrospective of HBO over on the Patreon feed. Be sure to go back and listen to the Wilder versus Fury episode. Um, in, in a sentence, can you just review it if someone hasn't listened to it? Oh, sure. And also, I posted in the chat, I have two minutes left. That was supposed to be 20. So, oh. well, yeah, that was I, 20 I minutes go, ago. I'll go through this very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, I scored uh, Wilder Fury. Uh, you said to recap the pay per view, right? Yeah, I scored uh, no, Wilder I didn't say Fury. to recap it, but I guess go for it. I said to review the episode we did yesterday, why people should listen to it if they haven't. Oh, okay. But you well, can do I'm both. going to do that, and then I'm going to just 
cram in my own comments. Yeah, great episode. I, I always like to hear Fred's take. He, he has a lot of uh, good perspective on the business. Um, and, you know, he is always good at put, giving a great spin, especially the biggest events. You know, he did great coverage for us of Mayweather McGregor. Um, you know, crossover events, the biggest pay-per-views. You know, he's the pay-per-view guest. I'm the uh, PBC on a bounce guest. Um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, just just to I'll, I'm just going to give my quick thoughts just because uh, I would like to do that. Um, I scored the fight for Wilder. I totally get why people would score it for Fury. But um, the early rounds were so inactive, no clean blows scored. I when I'm scoring fights, when I'm actually ringside, I have the responsibility of actually writing down my score every round and have it you know immortalized as the round ends before the next one begins. Uh, if you have super close rounds, neither guy lands much. I tend to alternate those rounds. Um, while Ortiz, I split the first two, first four rounds two and two, which is what all four official judges did. Um, that's why I was not surprised that the scorecards were closer than a lot of people expected, um, and that we had a draw card and a Wilder win card. You know, not surprised, and that's how I personally saw it. At the same time, uh, I get this Fury wins as well. At the same time, just to defend my card a little bit more than that, I always, always, always score punches that are landed versus punches that miss if a fighter spends two minutes of a round not throwing punches um and then the other fighters moving forward and trying to hit and maybe those punches don't land cleanly but they're much more active i score those two minutes for the offensive fighter that's my personal preference um another bit i don't think you got to yesterday Jarrett heard guaranteed one million dollars for that fight which is just crazy um, which indicates, I don't know, maybe, you know, he is someone who was on Twitter a lot talking to Eddie Hearn, uh, when, uh, DAZN was launching that he might've gotten a good guarantee out of Showtime or the PBC. He's also said that he's going to fight at home once before he fights Jamal Charlo or Jamal Charlo. So, uh, credit to, to her, you know, he's a guy who came out of nowhere, um, built his reputation off of a string of knockouts, fought Arislandi Lara, uh, beat him in a very, very close fight, but got a 12th round knockdown, which I think gives him the moral victory at least, and the official win on the scorecards. I think he does deserve to be ranked number one at 154, even though I would favor Jermel Charlo over him. Um, just quick question. Do you have any thoughts on his big purse? I, I don't think you guys mentioned that yesterday. No, we didn't talk about it. I don't really have any thoughts. I think um, maybe that's payment to stay over there, to stay loyal. Um, I don't really think they need to because I think that it's pretty obvious that Jarrett Hurd and Jermel Charlo is a targeted pay-per-view for next year. Yeah, that's that was the next thing I wanted to get to. I don't think any of us would have thought of that as a pay-per-view. But now that the PBC is building up their pay-per-views, that, that was something that you and Fred talked about yesterday on the episode that, you know, if they're trying to build up what is the floor for these level of events. Um, look, if <laughs> ESPN is trying to put on Crawford versus Khan on pay-per-view, uh, her Charlo is definitely better than that. Um, you know, I would love for that to be a Showtime Championship boxing. I mean, that would be fantastic if we talked about, you know, Wilder um, Ortiz with Showtime Championship boxing this year. I'd love to see that not be a pay-per-view. It would be great if fans didn't have to pay for it. But I think it starts to get to that level. You know, it'll be interesting to see. You mentioned the trailers are being pumped up a lot on Fox Heard got paid a lot of money in the showcase fight. He's going to fight another showcase fight in his home area. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how big that gets. That'll be an interesting experiment for the PBC. 
Um, next quick hit. I um, was really impressed by the overall promotion. I had said going in, I expected it to be uh, maybe 150,000 pay-per-views, 200,000 pay-per-views. My thought now is more like 200 to 300,000. That's just based on the amount of mainstream press covering the fight. Um, very impressed with uh, the overall. Do you have a? Do you have a? As of this moment, pay-per-view prediction, or do you not want to give it uh, with it? Um... You know. I don't really Since have a probably prediction. Start it, 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 yeah. I think this literally could be anything, and I would not be surprised. They could do a yeah. million, and I, I would just, I would be like, yeah, that, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it has huge amount of mainstream crossover appeal, um, huge amount of mainstream media coverage, and you're talking about two heavyweight, two undefeated heavyweights. So, we'll see. Um, could do closer to, you know, a Canelo Golovkin number than a Canelo Angulo number. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. The Staples Center, you know, PBC's done a, a bunch of events at the Staples Center. They took to this really nicely. There seemed to be a lot of synergy with, uh, you know, a bunch of Lakers in attendance. Um, yeah, yep. it will, uh, they'll be interesting to see if they, they, they do more stuff in LA, uh, make, uh, you know, well, try to make the Staples the Fox... Center more the West Coast Barclays Center. Yeah, that was the last thing I was going to say. Well, you can say it for me. Well, the, the, with the Fox fights that got announced, there seemed to be a, a lot targeted for LA and I, I don't see them uh, putting Abdomars versus Gervonta Davis uh, anywhere but L.A. unless they do it in New York or Vegas, I think. With Mars as a draw here in L.A., I think it's a lock that we're going to get that fight as well, which is pretty cool um, to be living here in L.A. Although I think at some point, are they are we going to run out of money to go to all these events? You know Top <laughs> Rank likes to put on events here too. Um, Oscar Valdez can draw here. Uh Especially if he's fighting Scott Quigg in the rain. Yeah, that would that would be. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would get that. Um, yeah, look, Gervonta Davis could they could draw that fight at the Barclays Center as well. I'm not going to get into the granular details of this, but yeah, I mean, also the the thing I was going to say about Fox is they did the PBC on Fox upfronts at 20th Century Fox Studios in LA. So you know yep. that seems to be where the PBC um, in studio show is going to be in LA. So again, that that would point to further association uh, in LA, more Staples Center fights, potentially more of a relationship with uh, the Lakers. Um, you know, in the same way they we've heavily uh, promoted the uh, Spence Garcia already in concert with the Cowboys. Spence's last fight with the Cowboys. Interesting to see if they get more participation. Well, they did the promote the fight on the Laker games, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, another quick hit. Uh, as of this podcast, Stevenson's condition uh, has been upgraded, so that's good. I mean, that really, you know, I don't want to get too dark or try to moralize about this, but that was really hanging over my head on Sunday. You know, I was so high from the Wilder Fury fight. I mean, that 12th round was, you know, just sort of, what a fantastic moment in boxing. Um, and then, you know, here, Stevenson's condition, really a bummer, seems to at least be past the worst of it. But we really don't know how bad any potential permanent damage could be. We don't know if he'll ever be able to fight again. You know, at least he's 41. He's made billions of dollars in this millions of dollars in the sport. He was well paid for this fight. Um, you know, it's not like a guy who's up and coming, who's never going to get a chance to make money, but, you know, hopefully he does recover. It doesn't impair his faculties. He, he doesn't s sustain brain damage, but it's kind of too soon to, to know that. I don't know. Have you heard anything else today about that? No, only that he'd been upgraded to a stable condition. That's it. Yeah. But it's hard to say what that means in terms of his, you know, his, his long-term outcome. Um, yeah. And then the last thing again, it's, it's just, uh, it's hard to talk about this given Stevenson's condition, but I thought Vosdick did great. 
Um, I thought that was a fantastic performance. I thought Stevenson, you know, he's 41. You talked about how his body just looked old. I agree with that. Um, I felt that when I was watching as well. I don't think it was anything particularly wrong. Like he was sick. I think he's just old and, you know, not that many fighters can be successful once they reach that age, unless they're people like Floyd or Bernard Hopkins who have, you know, technical ability. I think you guys touched on that yesterday. Um, he was ready for the taking, you know, Badu Jack, I think is kicking himself that he wasn't able to get Stevenson out of there. Um, Vosdick walks out with a lot of clout. He has the WBC belt at 175. Um, you know, that's, that's, it's good standing for him. It was a very impressive win. He got hurt late in the fight. He battled back, scored the stoppage. I was very impressed with him. He, he, you know, I, I would still hesitate to, to make him the clear number one for sure. I mean, Jack has a much better, even though when you compare the common opponent, you have a draw versus Stevenson versus a knockout win. Um, I still would write Jack higher just because of his uh, better overall resume, but Fosdick's in a good position. And talking about Top Rank's business model, he has now moved up to the headline status. He has a belt. I think you're going to now see him headlining ESPN cards. So not bad. If you look at the balance of Alex Saucedo losing to Maurice Hooker on a purse bid and Vosdick beating Stevenson on a purse bid, um, <laughs> well, which respectively Top Rank lost the Saucedo one, uh, or won the Saucedo one, lost the um, Stevenson Bosdick one, and ironically, they're, the the fighters lost in a reverse order. Um, yeah, I, I think Top Rank uh, they got pretty good win out of this. Uh, I think they're going to do some good business with Bosdick. They don't have too many opponents, but they now have a little bit of a better ecosystem there. Um, if Zerto eventually wants to move up to 175, they have another name that's part of that conversation. So um, yeah, I, I was impressed with him. Um, I, I feel like yesterday you guys spent more time talking about how bad Stevenson looked, and um, I, I just wanted to give a little bit more credit to Vostick. Anyway, yes, now I'm definitely done here. Um, any final thoughts? Are we ready to close things out? Uh, Bivol is the number one guy at 175, not Vostick. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even have a response to that. It's just not something I can engage in even jokingly. It's just, you know, uh, time will tell who the best guy is. Absolutely, as it always does. Well, that is it for this episode. Um, be sure to subscribe, leave a review. Um, if you want to get access to that HBO feed as well as a daily podcast, you can go over to patreon.com slash sundaypuncher. Sort that out for yourself. And we will be back next week. Oh. It's done. It's done. Bit my shit. Bad bitch.